0: Two, one, and we're live. What's up, everybody? Namaste. Thank you so much for joining the Light Side. My name is Danny, and today I have a very special guest with us. His name is Jeff Olson. Um, he is—he has a lot of accolades for downhill skiing. So, a two-time Olympian, yes, Olympics. Uh, three-time national champ, uh, Pan American gold medalist, and. Two little claims to fame for a men's downhill on the World Cup Tour, which he's going to unpack for us. So, Jeff, welcome.
1: Welcome, Danny. Good to be here. Happy caving.
0: <laughs> yes, happy caving. It's been great. I have a nice get, little I'm cave.
1: ready to be released here.
0: <laughs> What's the first thing you're going to do?
1: I'm going to go uh, – well, that's a good question. I haven't even thought of that. Uh, I mean, I've been out. I mean, I'm mountain biking and doing stuff. It's not like I'm I'm not out, so – Anyway, it's just, it's just good mental sort of get the mental release. Yeah.
0: Yes. Like able to be outside, like no restriction. It's kind of like when yeah, you hang with others. So
1: anyway, yeah, yeah, Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So we have a lot to, a lot to go over and I, just to preface everybody, I want to talk a little bit about your athletic career. And then okay. I want to talk about your, your journey into entrepreneurship, because I, I believe yeah. that there are many different parallels that go with athleticism yeah. and being an entrepreneur so first and foremost let's unpack the, the downhill skiing journey
1: well I'll give you the cliff note version I, I was a, a, a kinetic hyperactive children, child before Ritalin and I needed a, a release and I did all sports and I found skiing was a thing that spoke to my my kinetic nature and uh, I I got plugged into uh, a, a group of young whippersnapper skiers that were older than me and they wouldn't wait for me and I had to keep up with them. So that was sort of like pulling, pulling someone while they're running I, that, that accelerated my learning curve. And I just found it, found a thing and I found a groove and I love the speed. I love the outdoor lifestyle. I love everything about it. And, um, yeah, man, that, that carried me for, you know, a decade plus on the world cup tour and Olympic games and all that. And yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, saw the world, did a lot, saw a lot, got some great life lessons from it all, but it was a pretty power packed lifestyle. And, um, man, it was, uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's my alma mater as I call it.
0: Mm, That's amazing. Oh, I know that feeling. I kind of have one too.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah. 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 So,
0: so I want to talk a little bit about mindset. So like the, the, the power of the mind, especially being an elite athlete, getting ready for some world titles. I want to talk about the, um, the power of the mind. What can you speak on that a little bit?
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, The mind is a weapon and, uh, it cuts both ways. Double-edged sword. Um, a lot of athletes think that working harder will get them to their goal and, uh, I was always, so my, my career, my life, here's my life lesson from my athletic career is I, I was always the hardest worker. Uh, and I actually worked my body into the ground and beat it up and broke it and had to retire because of my overtraining. Uh, I, I was doing heavy squats, heavy plyometrics, uh, and I developed patella tendonitis and game over, man, because that's the fulcrum of the whole knee. So I had four knee surgeries in the span of a year uh, and that was game over. So the life lesson I took away from that is working hard will get you very, 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 very far. Um, But there's a lot of, a lot of collateral damage on the way to the top um, of your life. (laughs) Uh, That's just not, you know, athletics. That's just life. There can be a lot of collateral damage, meaning uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of injury and pain and struggle and, you know, all that cliche stuff. But what, what drives you through it is, is that, is that, Rage to master that thing in there, that inner anchor, as I call it. But uh, what I learned was this: it's okay to work hard, and working hard will get you really far. But if you can work smart and hard, game on, right? Mm. Uh, And there's one third piece to that, which is uh, you know, find your tune, find your voice, find your narrative, find your authenticity, find your signature. So it's work hard, work smart, be yourself. And and the working smart part, uh, I see a lot of people. pretty famous quote by a guy, um, Jim Rohn, who's a mentor of mine and he's fast, but uh, he said, tiny errors in judgment played out over time can lead to profound disappointment and failure. And it's this little tweak, but you amortize or compound that little judgment over time can lead to profound disappointment and failure. And my little thing was, more was better harder was better grind was better and i grinded my body into the ground so life lesson there
0: that's huge, and that's actually was one of the things I was going to ask you. So thank you for answering that. <laughs> and you know, I see a lot of I see a lot of that with bodybuilding too. Like some of the greats, Ronnie Coleman, he can barely walk now after all of the lifting, all of the stuff that he's done. And while it got him where he wanted to go, and he did very well, now he's sort of paying the price of the collateral damage of being such an animal, which was great at the time, but now he's he's kind of suffering for it. Yeah. Um. So thank you for bringing that up because I think a lot of times, and even today, with people building businesses and being an entrepreneur, and and kind of some of the Stuff that's out there on social media, it's like go go go, hustle hustle hustle, and that's the way to do it. But like that, you there is collateral damage with that too. Like your family, your relationships, some of these things around you might start to fall. So if you can find a way to hustle smart, then that's going to give you the result that you want.
1: Yeah, I tell athletes that they're entrepreneurs, you know, on the field of play. Mm -hmm. So if you using that sort of, I mean, athletes instinctually, you know. They're always trying to find out what's next. You know, they take initiative, they're problem solvers, they're, they're doing the do, they're, they're on the field of play, and they're just always in, in the game and always hustling and always trying to level up. Uh, and that's a very entrepreneurial sort of characteristic. And, uh, you know, when I met you, I'm like, oh, another athlete. Okay, so our brains think alike. So not everyone that gets into business has that particular um, athletic brain, if you will. And the cliches, you know, run rampant, but they're, they're actually true. Um, you know, business is a sport. uh, And the idea is to win well, be a good sport and win well. Um, You know, winning's fun. And but so back to the, you know, the the sort of observation is see a lot of uh, uh, in business, entrepreneurs are athletes on a different field of play. And that's just sort of a, you know, the yin and the yang of it all. And, And I but I do see a lot of especially in the gig economy and the you know, social media and all this opportunity to, 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 launch your own little brand and your enterprise. I see a lot of, cause we work with independent contractors all over the world and help them level up. And, and um, I see a lot of them go off half cocked around ideas that aren't necessarily built to last yes. and are built on some things that are uh, um, let's just say not bedrock, and you know we're all young at one point in our life and a lot of times we got to learn things the hard way so um you know i've seen a lot of people learn things the hard way and you know i don't say i told you so but um here's what i have at age 54. i have a little bit experiential <laughs> wisdom <Yes. laughs> That's <how we> say.
0: <laughs> oh and so back to the mindset thing like when you were training for the olympics what was, what was your mindset? Like, were you visualizing your runs down the trail? Were you like believing Were you, did you have affirmations? What were some of those things?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. So back to mindset. Sorry. I went off squirrel tangent. Yeah. Mindset (laughs) Um, you know, yeah, the brains, I mean, and mine's a weapon. So yeah. Yes. Did I do affirmations? Yeah. I didn't call them affirmations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just called it conditioning. I mean, that worked in my, like affirmations sound like a Hallmark card to me. And I, I understand the principle In my brain affirmations is really just about conditioning the brain with language and with thoughts and and you know and so yes um so here's uh the the big takeaway for me uh, with mindset is uh when it's showtime uh, it's time to turn the brain off (laughs) um in in my sport in my sport of downhill ski racing if you were trying to think your way down a downhill course going 80 miles an hour, not a good idea. <laughs> um, you have to be animalistic and reactionary, and 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 you just have to let everything go and go with your physicality and your presence and your state, um, and, and and so that so so trusting that and then letting that go when you when you left the starting gate is a thing. Now I, you know bodybuilding little different. Animal, But um, in the end, when you go on stage and you're trying to think your way through poses, that's probably not the best idea. It's like maybe a, an, an artist trying to think their way through a song, right? You can kind of see when when artists do or when athletes are trying to think their way, just clunky, right? And so, um, you know, what athletes at, at their best give us all is physical, vivid, representations of excellence and it looks easy right it's looking it when when athletes are in the zone so to speak it looks easy and so that tends to be they're not thinking i can tell you Uh, they're they're, what they've done over time is they've they've conditioned conscious work long enough where they become unconsciously competent and and so the, the the mindset thing um it's, it's just like working out in the gym. You got to work out your brain and work the mind. And, and I, here's the, I mean the, the, the inconvenient truth of in me for my athletic career is I was always my worst enemy and rather than my greatest asset. Mm. So, and there's everything in between, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the, the gray middle, you can be your worst enemy. And that's the overthinkers and the, I'm not good enough. the yeah Blah, blah. Yes. That bullshit. And then there's a, I'm I'm the freaking man, and I'm going to go out and kill it. And you can take that a little too far too, but there's a sweet spot there in, in the brain. That's you know comes from a joy found in effort, mm-hmm. comes from you know stand and you know some of my best races in a weird way occurred when I was really angry. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's a weird thing about downhill ski racing because it's it's a bit of a testosterone sport, and you got you got to really like. And women do it too, but I say man up. But I mean, there's, there's, a, there's an element of state required. And, uh, but, but mindset, man, <laughs> What's, what, here's the thing about mindset is, is if you don't have, um, well, if you want to read a great book uh, for the athletes that are out there or the parents, I think this should be required reading for every parent. It's a book written by a guy by the name of Daniel Coyle. And he wrote uh, the first book on Lance Armstrong, but his, 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 his sort of franchise now is, is uh, his book was called The Talent Code, C-O-D-E, Talent Code. He wrote another book called The Culture Code, but The Talent Code, phenomenal book, highly recommend it. Uh, there's one chapter in there where he talks about uh, sort of the X factor. Um, and the X factor is ultimately what gives you the mindset um, to, 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 to be a, to be a gamer. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, but, it, but it, but he he named it and he called it a rage to master. And it's the first time I'd ever heard anyone articulate that thing that had been inside me. I had a rage to master my sport in, in a good way, not in an evil dark way, but in a bright, powerful, you know, human way. Um, you, you're sort of, you're, you're just possessed. Um, and, when I was growing up, I always knew what I wanted to do. And I look at all my teenage friends, and they were like, "I don't know what I want to do." I, you know, because we live in a world of abundance. You could do this, 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 and this. I wanted to do one thing, Um, and it was very, it was very, it was sort of God given. It was just like that's that's me. But when I retired, <laughs> then I was the bobber out in the ocean, bobbing around, you know, because I'd lost my whole frame of reference. And it took me about a decade to figure out my life after, you know, being on being in the sport so mindset came into play after that as well and the only thing I did well in that decade worth of swimming and swirling and I was on the treasure hunt and I just kept swimming I just kept moving and I see a lot of athletes stop moving when they retire
2: mm. and they
1: just kind of fester and you know wander and woe me and they become passive and reactive and defensive and and anyway mindset kind of kept me going I guess is the, 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 the teachable moment there just kept me moving.
0: Wow. And that's incredible because I, after retiring from bodybuilding, I was definitely swimming. I mean, 10, and I might still be swimming. I mean, this is brand new. Everything I'm doing is brand new. So I could just, but it's like keeping the forward moving, going and something will stick. Something will let you up like skiing did, like bodybuilding did. So it's in being okay in the limbo part and trying to figure out what sticks again. And I think that's really huge what you said. And I think a lot of people think that they're alone going through that when they leave a sport that they love. Even if it's from coming out of like high school basketball, let's say they were like really good at it and now they're done and um so I well, guess you, you,
1: you, yeah. bring, we were just talking before you hit the, the record button um and this kind of cuts to the point I was speaking to you on is someone told me right after I retired and it was pretty sobering counsel. I was like you'll never find that passion again and I was like what what do you mean <laughs> um really <laughs> I
2: don't um,
1: and it was a kind of a body blow
2: yeah
1: um And it turned—it's turned out to be very true. It's turned—it's turned out to be true. Okay. Um, Where I've landed is, um, in at least in my career, if you want to think of it in terms of career, because I have passion for my family and my kids, and you know those. But that's a different, you know, part of my life. Um, It's your vocation, right? Your 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 life's work, right? Um. Where I've landed with is—is I am wicked passionate about the game yes and it can be you know i find myself in a in this unique position i i didn't plan it this way it wasn't by design i have a successful health food business uh which gives me a ton of free time and i've ended up becoming a consultant for a lot of startups and um i'm into all of them like 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 you know i think the personality online that speaks to this is i think gary Vaynerchuk, he's into the freaking game and it can be this it can be this it can be this it can be this he's into the game he's into winning right so the winning thing is a three-dimensional chess in business, right? And that's the thing that I'm passionate about. I can get passionate about feeding pigs in Vegas if that's, if that's the game and that's the hustle and that's the business. Show me the ROI, show me the economics, show me the execution plan. Like that's the, right? I can get passionate about this thing over here. I'm consulting on a ski company right now. So, and a, and a, and a, and a, a waste recycling company now. So I get excited where I found my passion is the game.
0: Gosh, that makes total sense after knowing you and having talking to you about the health food business and things like that. I can definitely 100% say the game is your passion. And I heard this quote and it reminds me of you it's, um, and I guess athletes too it's, uh, learn the rules of the game and then play better than everybody else.
1: Yeah, that that cuts that cuts to the yeah, if you don't understand the rules of your game, good luck,
0: good luck. But once you learn them now you now you can play better than everybody, and that might be with your that might be with your x factor that might be with your love of the game and so i I like that because i'm 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 kind of finding that within the game that I'm playing now on social media and kind of with all of these things I have my hands in is the game is really fun and and getting out there has is, is been really exciting so i'm I'm really happy to hear that um,
1: the game is game. fun the game is fun and here's the translation is is finding the game that becomes your (laughs) moneymaker, right? That's the treasure hunt. A lot of fun games out there, but I I, I guess in terms of a career and life's work and, and uh, you know, in in the economic conversation uh, you know, finding the game that becomes your moneymaker and you can have multiple moneymakers, but um, you know, there's some principles around that as well. So,
0: yes, there are. Yes. Yes. So and I, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this. So I don't know if this is a curveball, but spirituality was a huge thing that was, that actually bodybuilding taught me. That was like my training ground, my connection. W- did you have a spiritual influence when you were competing? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> yes and no. I had a very naive, uh, uh, call it, uh, uh, What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Naive and what is my young teenager? She is, uh, uh, she's naive. Uh, um, she thinks she knows everything. Um, well, so yeah, so I grew up in a, in, a, in a family of deep faith and I was an acolyte in the Episcopal church and I would have my ski clothes on underneath my acolyte robes and I'd put out the candles and chain wash the things and then I would leave and like go up and go skiing. And so, you know, I, I grew up, And all my, you know, so I grew up with that, with that, um, you know, my faith, but when I was an athlete, it was just so naive and so ridiculous. I was like, God has better things to do than just, I'm doing like a selfish thing right now. God, I'll get to you later. Like, you know, I'm good, you know? And so it was sort of this stupid, like really sort of childish thing, um, where I knew God had better things to do than to worry about me, like doing my sport. So it was sort of very, very that way. Um I knew I was a, a guy of, of faith but I'd get to that later, right? <laughs> kind of thing. So to answer your question, uh I had faith but I was not uh, a living breathing. It wasn't part of my uh game at the time. Now it's it now it's the central core of my game, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I That's mean so when yeah. And that and that journey came after I had started retired, you know. When you have kids, <laughs> Then you start. Well, at least for me, um, that was a, a clarifying moment, shall we say, of you know why the hell am I here and you know you know who am I and what's the universe about? And then I had to sort of you know actually deal with the, the questions at hand, which were my faith ultimately. And I had maybe been running them, running from them, or not. Run- they had been in a closet for a while, but my kids activated my faith. Yeah. Oh.
0: Ah. Yeah. What a, that's such a beautiful thing. And, and I like how you, um, so it, would you have made it more of a central thing when you were in your athletic career? Would you like knowing what you know now, would you bring it back oh, in and make it a thing? No
1: question. No question. What, what I, what, what I would have achieved in knowing what I know now, that experiential learning wisdom you achieve with age is, um, I would have been much more myself, uh, back then uh, as an athlete, because I look back on my career, and I was always trying to copy others that were better than me. And I was trying to always pick the best elements of everyone that was better than me. And I was, I was picking this, and picking this, and pick. and I never found my John Hancock. I never found my signature. I never found my, you know, when you hear an artist, you hear a person's voice, and it's like, got it. And like, it takes you two notes, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Or you see, you know, the silhouette of an athlete, and you just kind of know, like finding your John Hancock, finding your, your your signature. I can look back on my career and say, can't say as I ever really found my Jeff Olson way of skiing because mm-hmm. I was all I was trying to be a mashup of all the best parts of each people that I, person that I admired. And I never synthesized. It was sort of like paint. I was like paint by dots. You know, if were paint by numbers, I was trying to make my career paint by numbers of the best. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen pictures that are paint by numbers. <laughs> they don't quite match up to you know <laughs> the artistic rendition of of, of the of the art so anyway mm. does that make okay. sense
0: it totally makes sense and and knowing you now it seems like you're very much your john hancock it seems like you very much no. have a signature and when i hear you speak i know who you like when i see you at some of the conventions and stuff like that it seems like you have this way about you now that is very much jeff olson jo
1: well yeah you, you, as you age you get comfortable in your own skin <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's great and i think that a lot of athletes do try to pick from all different in, in, in every area so I you're not alone there and I see it a ton in the bodybuilding world people try to pose like this one or post like this one or work out or do videos so everybody is kind of copying people but it's not they're not being who they are and I think that's an out there it's a little there's bit there's one clear. Mona Lisa
1: one Mona Lisa and if yeah. you're trying to paint by numbers and paint by numbers I'm like that's the best analogy I can come up with you got to find y- your paintbrush and paint your painting
0: be your own Bob Ross. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yes. Um, Okay. So let's uh, shift over into business stuff now. So, okay. Something that I've noticed and I am just new into business in all different areas is there are huge parallels between being an athlete and being an entrepreneur. There's perseverance. There's believing in something that you don't see yet, believing in a paycheck you don't see, or believing in X, Y, and Z that you don't see and going through the hard stuff, leading with your heart, working smart. And hard. Um, what what are the, some of the parallels that you can speak on between entrepreneurship and business and athletes?
1: uh that's a pretty loaded question.
2: It <laughs> is. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, uh, understand the rules of the game. You know, you'll be held accountable by the rules of the game you choose to play. And the rules of the game in business um, center around you know money, cash flow, <laughs> you know what constitute you know a, 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 a someone buying anything um, and so when I retired i i I finished my degree in finance and I learned about money, <laughs> pretty helpful practical degree to get um, <laughs> And I became a student uh, of the principles of money, right? So uh, a lot of people get into business and they have no effing clue on what money is and how it works. I mean, money, money is a consciousness and it moves and it flows and it goes and, you know, there's scarcity mindset around money and abundance around money and man, money makes people funny if it does anything or money makes you more of who you are um and it's probably a little bit of both and so um i guess what i did early on is is i would always train my here's another thing i'm learning in my career i would always train my weakness as an athlete yes. but i never amplified my strengths meaning i had my strengths and i knew they were there but i was always working on my weakness mm. if i had to do that all again i would have leaned i would have powered down on my strengths and you know i would have managed my weaknesses but i've laid into my strengths. so that's a whole other i mean that's a you know a subtle nuanced distinction there and just work um and gets back to sort of authenticity and being you is lean into your strengths and, and amplify your strengths and manage your weaknesses I like uh, rather than rather than uh be paranoid and, and 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 maniacal and try to fix them um you can manage them so um I became a student of money and, and just kind of understood what, but I was, I when I retired, I went and got a J-O-B
2: and I was an employee. Yeah. And
1: I was working for the man, getting a paycheck, exchanging time for money and it was fine. It was great learning experience. Uh, but, and I picked my degree in finance because I didn't know anything about business and I didn't know anything about money. I was so naive and such a green behind the ears, I, I, but I went to my weakness, and in that sense, it was quite practical. Um, and that's how I picked my, the, finished my degree. And I had skipped college when I was an athlete. I had to come back to it after I retired and finish it up. But it was, it, it, in hindsight, it was you know that was a good call. Um mm-hmm. So I learned about, you know, what makes money move and what makes money work. And, you know, I still don't have it all figured out, but I I take high percentage shots now. And I, you know, uh, if I can help the you, know, the, you know, mentor, you know, young hustlers, that's what I help them try to do is see the business principles behind what I'm passionate about, what I'm doing, like in the health food space as an example. Um, but I became a student of money after I retired, and and that that, that game has a particular particular rule set of rules. <laughs> so,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and even just thinking about the rules of money investing, has a similar. I'm thinking of compounding interest um, and like nutrition, how you compound your nutrition. You can also compound your money, and how they kind of they're they they go hand in hand a little bit there.
1: I mean, Einstein called compound interest, the eighth wonder of the world. And if you own it, you reap its benefits. And if you don't, you pay for it. (laughs) And I apply that metaphor to eating um, in the work that we do. And there's a compounding effect to nutrient dense foods, um, which which are a deeper level conversation for most people beyond carbs, proteins, and fats. So the the compounding effect builds something over time. And if you can execute on fundamentals over time in anything, you'll have a compounding effect.
0: Yes, and and this can go negative too. Something that I've also learned is you can have a compounding effect go bad. So like if you stop working out, for example, and you just let that pile and you let that compound, eventually you're gonna be a blob. Lake City and it's gonna be really hard to pick up that to go back outside and go for a run because you've had your compounding interest and now you're all the way on this end. So I think that's a a really important thing with money, with health, with business, with anything you're doing. Just know that whatever you're putting into your equation now is is happening over time. Yep. Um, so what okay, so we talked about your life lesson as a athlete. Do you have any lessons so far as an entrepreneur, business, business guy? Oh my gosh, yes.
2: Heaven. Uh, heavens um, become curious and become a student of blind spots and all that to say, uh, you know you know what you know, and when you're young
1: you you, you know a little bit <laughs> um and you know you know what you don't know, right? And like, you know, I don't know how to fly a plane, and I know that I don't know how to fly a plane. I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. I know I don't know how to do heart surgery. But it is the domain of I don't even know what I don't even know, where growth, discovery, possibility, uh, um, all of that unfolds in life. And so if you can be humble enough It's sort of humble hubris. It's like, I know what I know, um, but I'm interested in more. <laughs> uh, the, the people I admire the most have a humility about them. They've got game, and they, but there's a sort of a childlike wonder uh, in their pursuit in that they've always got their antenna up to be learning and be growing. And I, I, in the end, that's sort of the turnkey to happiness, right, if, if you're growing, chances are you're, 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 you have a happier tendency if you're growing and expanding, right? And, and the only way to grow and expand is to enter into terrain that you've never been to before. And oftentimes that terrain is, like you don't even know it exists. <laughs> and, 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 until in, in, but you're moving, right? And, and, and you want a better outcome, ask a better question. mentor once told me and so always be questioning and curious and having that childlike wonder i mean children are really good at just asking the simple dumb obvious questions that just sort of come out of left field and never thought of it like that right yeah um so i i think that is probably a, a in business um that keeps you moving that keeps you hustling that keeps you growing um be welcome the blind spots welcome that discovery but then I said, I, as I say, settle in, but never settle. Meaning, settle into what you're good at and roll, and but always have that as as a way to stay humble and curious and and ha- and that to me helps me have a joy found in the effort. I mean, you know, in the Olympic Charter, there's a there's a there's a tagline in there, um, and I cherry pick. There, you know, athletes have a joy found in effort, and 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 if you don't have that in your work. Um, it's probably not the right work for you if you can't if you don't have a joy found in effort. It's probably not built to last.
0: Mm. Joy found in effort. Wow, well, I love that cherry picking that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so. I guess, so I want to segue into like what makes a good entrepreneur, um, how to see a good opportunity when it's presented to you. So kind of stuff like that. So people out there, I feel like there's this Gary Vee, like all of these things coming up and everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to own a business and do stuff like that. So how do you know a good opportunity when you see it?
2: Great question. Um, How do you know a good opportunity when you see it? I mean, I know
1: the answer i'm just I'm trying to uh people get excited about a lot of shiny things. People get excited about a lot of squirrels, mm-hmm. myself included um we live in the next new thing, the fomo sort of mindset the fear of missing out thing and so what that tends to produce is
2: a way of being that uh can can
1: can produce a a uh it's not schizophrenic but it's just here's 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 the way a lot of there's a lot of people snorkel in business and they're, they're snorkeling across this thing and snorkeling across this thing. And, and they're, they're looking at all these beautiful fish and beautiful things. And, you know, and, and, but they never scuba dive. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's quite the right metaphor, but, um, you know, when you scuba dive, there's some danger involved. You've got a certain amount of oxygen. You, got, you know, and oxygen in business is cash flow. Like, Ooh. if there's anything in business that I would help people focus on is 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 cash flow. If if you can't launch a business and immediately start generating cash flow, uh, and you're 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 waiting for the big, you know, nut down. Like, cash flow is oxygen in business, right? And so, you know, there's a business principle. But the difference between scuba diving and snorkeling is one you're interested one you're committed and you know there's you know um i mean you can always come up you know from scuba diving but nothing, you know the analogy works to a point but uh i i guess understanding some you know half a dozen things like like cash flow like how do i get to cash flow in the first few months i'm not talking about working on a business for the next six months next year next year and a half waiting to get paid like and and with every rule, you can find the exception to the rule, right? Sure. Yeah. What I'm trying to show people is how to take high percentage shots. Like, what's the layup here, right? I'm interested in layups. I'm interested in a nice forehand ground stroke. I'm interested in skiing on your downhill ski. Like, just the, what's the business principle? And one of the big business principles, especially for small business owners, especially for young hustlers and gamers and gig, it's like cash flow, right? So. It's one thing to create cash flow, but another principle, in in, you know, another principle to consider is: does it provide any leverage? Is there any way that I can grow that cash flow beyond my own ability to produce cash flow? And so, this is one of the central problems of, like, the Gary V. generation,
2: is is
1: the leverage that he created that put him on the map was the leverage of wine. That put him on the map. Now, he was a little celebrity in wine He became a bigger celebrity in wine and then he became the Mac Daddy of wine and wine TV and wine library, but but what was he offering? He was offering wine and, and people will buy wine whether he's on YouTube or not. Right. And so that that cash flow, that that hungry beast of people wanting to consume wine, you know, that rolled and he was making money while he was not working, meaning he had leverage. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I see a lot of the Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, I see it a lot of young people is they want to be the brand. They want to be the influencer, you know, and I love the I, you know. Gary Vaynerchuk has an opinion on 25-year-old life coaches, and, and I, I have an opinion on 25-year-old life coaches myself, and like, good luck with that, um, but what gave him leverage was he had a hard good, right, he, that shipped. He had a hard good that shipped, and people would be buying that hard good, and he would be shipping that um, whether or not he was, like, online at that particular time, so influencers, like, what, when you boil down business, it gets down to two things. Do you have goods, or do you have services and what services and goods do you offer Challenge with services is it's hard to scale services beyond your own service that you're rendering right now you can start a company and build an agency or build business and hire employees and get like, that's a way to get leverage. Employees create leverage. And what employees allow you to do is create more money, more income, that's coming in Then your own ability to produce it. We do it a different way. We just work with partners. And we say, let's go build some collaborative income. I'm gonna mentor, train you, build you up, scale you, grow you uh, to be you know, the badass boss babe. And I'm gonna take a little bit of revenue share from you and it's an agency. So you're, you're the agent, I'm the agency. So that's leverage. So in business, cash flow, and then how do you create leverage from cash flow? And, and uh, you talk about the gig economy. It's like when you're an Uber driver, you, know, you make money when you're Ubering, but you don't when you stop. Like when you turn that app off and you're off the grid, how are you making money? So gigs today make can provide quick cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. Most gigs that I find have zero leverage. There's no leverage there. Uh, and if you're if you're an influencer, and you stop posting, game freaking over, man. And I know a lot of influencers. I don't know a lot, but but I know enough to know that they know a crap ton of influencers, and they're swimming in the the desert of no cash flow yes and they have 50 60 100 200,000 followers and they're scrapping to make a professional level of income because you know there's one good looking chick or one hot bro behind you that's just going to step into your eye candy post and replace you so yeah. how you create leverage and this is playing the smarter game you got it you got to be as smart as a fox so how do you create cash flow how do you create leverage Those are two sort of business principles that are pretty important.
0: Okay, amazing. Thank you for that. that. Yeah, 100%. It does. Now, now I'm like thinking of all the different ways I can create leverage. Like, okay, this is cash flow. How do I, what, what can I do better and like scalable? I think that's a big thing too. And especially being a coach, I'm learning now like, okay, well, I can only spend so much time doing one-on-one stuff with everybody. Right, you're a coach.
1: How do you scale your, like, like there's a bottleneck there, right?
0: There is. Even if I do group coaching, there's still yeah. kind of a bottleneck. So even there's yeah. a way to, to try to create some residual income, some membership basis, some sort of have a product that's on renewal or something like that like you have to always be thinking and even being an and influencer. what you end up
1: like you have to be you have to be you're in the spotlight because you're the message and you're the content creator and you got to just keep producing shit like oh that's God. hard dude producing I, shit is hard what if you had something that was produced and you just shipped that thing man so
0: yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. yeah, percent. i'm with you and even being in the influencer spot once you stop and, and you can have one hundred and thirty thousand followers and make zero money i was in that boat i'm in a little different boat now but i was totally in that coming out of bodybuilding everybody just wants to watch me flex okay that's great how do i get paid off of that and and that's not yeah, an i mean amazing.
1: influencers do not yeah I mean, there's a great quote by this gal and i i need to send it to you but it's something like influence doesn't pay my bank account or doesn't fuel my bank account or, there's some quote like that but i know a lot of influencers <laughs> who are. You know, just very underpaid for the what they thought they would achieve. You know, that's the game. It's like, oh, I'm going to get a lot of eyeballs, and then I'm going to get paid. Like, yeah, not so much. You know, what 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 used to be seventy thousand is now three hundred and seventy thousand followers required. What used to be seventy thousand. So that will only get more and more and more and more and more. And again, you know, how long you're you're twenty? Maybe you'll be an influencer for five, 10 years, and then what? Right? Then you get married, have kids, have mom. Maybe you can be a mom influencer. But it's like. You're always having to be the content producer. And that's a brutal, I mean, that's, I mean, good luck with that.
0: <laughs> busy. It's busy. It's busy, busy. And what lights me up right now is providing value. And I know that it, like the law of exchange with the universe, if I'm providing value, I will receive some back in return. So now yeah, I like no, said, yeah, if-
1: yeah. That, that's but- business principle one-on-one is adding value. You can have, you can have a ton of value in the world we live in today with social media and not get paid at all doesn't mean you're not adding value. You're adding an incredible amount of value. I know a lot of people who add a lot of value. They just haven't figured out how to translate that into compensation.
0: Yeah. Yep. 100%. I I and I'm totally right there with you. I'm kind of in the middle right now trying to figure out where it, where I fall with all of that, because like you said, like you can be a a pretty influencer. That's great. Well, what happens when you stop bodybuilding and you're not super ripped all the time and you don't have abs to show off, then what, then you lose 20,000 followers like I did. And now you're trying to figure out how to, how to nurture the people that you do have, because it's everything changes. And it's a very aesthetically, it's a very aesthetic world out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I look at your sport and I, I told you this before, you guys are walking billboards of health how are you monetizing on that central narrative? Like you, you people look at you and you're like, you're healthy, you're up to something. They, you must know your shit. What do you do? Well, if you're not figuring out a way to monetize that billboard, then I think, you know, you're not taking advantage of the assets that you have and you're not owning your influence. I, one of the things I talk to athletes about is you can rent your influence out, right? And rental income is great. I was I was able to rent my influence out in sponsorships and people are about sponsorships, right? Good luck in cash sponsorships today. Yeah, um, it's a different game. I, I had radio, TV, and print when I was an athlete. There were three distribution points. Now there's a hundred thousand. So that game has changed. And I try to help athletes understand if you can rent your influence and get cash, do it all day long. But perhaps you might want to consider standing for something, put your name behind it, and owning, you know, owning that influence. Um, And building something, hang on, sorry, building something beyond your, your day in the spotlight. And so you can own it, you can rent it. My advice is do both. So...
0: Okay. I love that. And that's what you talk about with the sponsorship plus, because I was a sponsored athlete and I was renting my influence and it, it ruined me. It burnt me out, ruined me. And I was like, you know what? I want nothing to do with social media. I want nothing to do with bodybuilding or any kind of company. And so now when I joined up with sort of what you're doing with the health food agent stuff, I can see a much better way where I'm owning my influence. And if... I'm giving people this, you know, this product or whatever it is. And I make my own commission and my own money off of it, not some hundred dollars a month that a company gives me. So I think that's great to, to, to say, um, now just to close us out, I want to, do you have any like daily method of operations? Are there things that you do every day to make you successful, to get your mind right, your soul right? I know you mentioned earlier, you were mountain biking. What are some things that keep you, you?
1: I keep this very simple. Okay, good. I don't have a lot of regimen, uh, um, sort of daily practices. My, but but I have one. Okay. Um. And it works for me. I, I know a lot of people who are very regimented and, and very structured. I, I have the luxury, uh, and perhaps the curse, <laughs> not to have to be structured um and so I'm, I'm i have sort of the jazz day now i have things that i want to accomplish don't get me wrong um but but i, I so but, but but the one i guess the one ritual uh, that i actually have um and i was i was talking to my wife because my wife is a uh she is a hungry student of knowledge and gurus and she's always doing this and trying i mean she's just And I just look at all this, 90% of this stuff, and I'm like, really? Like like, our brains are different, that's cool. Um, My central practice is when I wake up, when my eyes turn on in the morning and I leave the bed, like the central narrative is gratitude.
2: And like that just,
1: if you can get up and put your feet on the ground with gratitude in the morning, your day's gonna run just fine. And if you can get up and, 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 and bounce out of bed with gratitude, uh, you're going to have a joy found in effort. Gratitude is the central core of abundance. Gratitude is the central core of a happy life. Gratitude is the central core, you know, that makes all things good, so to speak. So that is the one thing I do really well. I have, you know, I have been blessed beyond measure uh, I get up every day. I don't take it lightly. Um, and I get up with gratitude every morning, and 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 that seems to work for me. So
0: that's beautiful. If that's all you need. I'm so glad I asked. Okay. Jeff, thank you. Is there anything else you want to tell the people? Where can they find you?
1: They can find me at Jeff Olson dot. That's OLSON. The Norwegian kind. OLSON dot info.
0: Jeff dot info. There you have it. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and energy, Jeff. I appreciate you so much.
1: You bet. Likewise.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace.
1: Peace out. (laughs)